Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, besties. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming. I'm sad to see spooky season go. Sad to see October go. But now we get to celebrate even more holidays and do more themes. And I can't wait. If you did not listen to the month of October, first of all, it's totally cool. I totally understand. Not everybody likes spooky things. Some people like to sleep soundly at night. So I absolutely understand. And I'm so happy that you're back. Things will be much lighter this month. Don't you worry. Today, we are doing a court of petty arguments, which you know is just one of my favorite things in the entire world. And then next week, we have a special episode full of very happy things. So lots of bright and shiny and happy things happening this month to make up for the overarching darkness of the October episodes. So we just got back from Boston. My family lived there, actually, when I was a kid. We moved there when I was four. We moved back when I was seven. So not too long Uh, We went back when I was like 12 to see everything, but I have not been back since. So it was really fun to go and show Matt, you know, the house that we lived in when we were there and see all of the Boston uh, sites. I don't like when people hear that you're going to a city and they're like, oh, you have to go here. And it's like a really popular like tourist spot because here's why I don't like it. I don't care if it's the most famous building in the world. If there is a line to get in, I don't want to go. I'll I'll just show you how serious I am about this. When we went to Italy, there was a line to get into the Sistine Chapel. And I thought to myself, nah, nah, not worth it. Not worth it. I didn't see the Sistine Chapel. I was probably 20 feet away from it. Just too long of a line. So we did see some touristy things in Boston, of course, but the really crowded things we avoided. But it was also like the most perfect time to go to Boston. Mid to late October, get out of town. It's it's perfect. Boston, in my humble opinion, okay, this is just my opinion, but it's the best city in America. It really is. And let me tell you why. Name everything you love about New York. Boston has it. Name everything you hate about New York. Boston does not have that. It's this major city, but it still has cobblestone streets and like red brick buildings from the 1600s and old pubs and clock towers. It's amazing. 
To me, it feels like a combination of New York and Dublin, which is probably not a hot take now that I'm thinking about it, because I'm pretty sure those are the two cities that influenced Boston the most. Am I right about that? I feel like I am. I mean, there's a lot of Irish influence in Boston. Hello, the Boston Celtics. Everything's Irish themed there. We ate a lot of good seafood. There's a lot of good bakeries there. We saw the house where Louisa May Alcott wrote Little Women. Shout out to all my fellow Amy's. Uh, We saw a bunch of Revolutionary War sites. Boring. But then we went to Salem for a day. And Salem is great. Really good. Very witch-themed. Like, everything is witch-themed. Like, their pharmacies, their malls, everything has, like, a witch pun in it. And to be quite frank, I don't really understand it because I feel like the Salem witch trials are kind of a black mark on American history. So it feels weird that they're like really leaning into it, but whatever. I enjoyed it for the day I was there. I bought a cloak, went to a witch museum, saw the Hocus Pocus house where Allison lives. Still no supernatural experiences though. We were really manifesting. I thought if it was ever going to happen to me, it would be in Salem during Halloween. And it just, it didn't pan out the way I wanted. But I have a story for you guys. So while I was in Boston, I had pre-recorded last week's episode and I ended up needing to record an ad while I was there, but I didn't have my microphone. So I just did it on my voice memos. And I never use my voice memos. I have like 10 in there total since the beginning of time. But I was listening to some of the old ones that I had in there because I had completely forgotten about them. And I saw one from mid 2019. I think it was like July 2019. And I take, sorry, this all connects, I promise. But I take Ambien like twice a year. And when I do, that's when I turn on voice memos because I either want to remember what I said or I just want to hear like the stupid things I say when I'm incoherent. Not sure if I should be encouraging this, but whatever. So I'm listening to this old voice memo. And at the where I was in life when I recorded this voice memo, I had just quit a receptionist job that I hated and I didn't have another job lined up. So I was spending my time making these like recipe videos and I would just, I would just bake things and film them, edit them, put them on my Instagram. I don't know why I was doing it. I just wanted to do something creative and I have always loved to bake. So I thought it was a good, a good outlet. I knew that I wanted to start something on my own. I don't know. I didn't know what it was at that point. The bad broadcast hadn't even entered my brain yet, but I just, I felt this pull to do something. So I was making these videos and I was mad because I didn't see a way that I would ever be able to like start my own business or like make my own money doing something like this. And apparently I had taken an Ambien and hit record. And then I started complaining to Matt about my, my non-job, how I wanted to find out how to do something creative, make money, and it just wasn't ever going to work out and I was never going to be able to do it. So listen to this recording. No, my videos are stupid and the same eight people, <laughs> babe, the same eight people respond. Yeah, you're going to start on the graphics. Yeah, but you have, a, you have a thing that can make money. So do you. No, talking. About food to people over TV. That's, did, have you ever heard of the Food Network? <laughs> Why did you laugh when I said I order sweats online? <laughs> that is true, though. That's what I do. Is that what you think your purpose is right now, is ordering sweats? 
It's just like apple juice. It makes you feel better. Oh, get that? It makes you feel better. Don't get that? <laughs> I'm going to pour it in your face. No. How weird is that? How weird is that? That is over two and a half years ago. And I was complaining to Matt that I would never have a job that involved talking, food, and ordering sweats. And I am here to say, I have a job that is all about talking, food, and ordering sweats. And it was really just a cool, it was a cool moment. And I wanted to share it with you all. And of course, thank you all for making it happen because you guys did this. This is, this was a team effort, heavy on the team. So I love you. Thanks. Thanks for making their, making a dream come true. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Redeeming Love. If you're a fan of romantic movies and love films with beautiful cinematography, then you're going to love Redeeming Love in theaters January 2022. Based on the international best-selling novel by Francine Rivers, the movie takes place during the California gold rush of 1850 and follows the life of Angel, who was the most notoriously sought-after woman in the Sierra Nevada foothills town of Paradise. Right as she was about to give up on finding freedom, Angel meets Michael and encounters a love that's unlike anything she's ever experienced. But shame of her past causes Angel to run away from the very thing she's always wanted. As Michael sets out to find her, Angel discovers there is no brokenness that love can't heal. Redeeming Love featuring Abigail Cohen, Nina Dobrev, Eric Dane, and Fomka Jansen is rated PG-13 and premieres January 21st in theaters nationwide. So bring a friend or even your significant other to see Redeeming Love. For more information or to find tickets to a theater near you, visit redeeminglovemovie.com. That's redeeminglovemovie.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. All right, so today's episode, we are entering the court of petty arguments with, of course, the dishonorable Judge Maddie. Why are we not starting the episode with a love-hate? Because, guys, I can't decide if I should keep it in or not. I, I do this sometimes. If you followed me for more than five minutes, you probably know this. I super commit to doing things long term because I tell myself if I publicly commit to doing something, <clears throat> the love-hate segment, the Halloween countdown, I will feel super motivated to do it every single day. But almost every time, I either get overwhelmed because I overbooked myself or I just get over it and I want to move on to the next project. So that's kind of how I feel about love-hate. I was so excited to do it every single episode, but then I wanted to change it up and do a new segment at the beginning, but I tell myself I can't because I committed to this. But the beauty and the horror of running a free-form podcast is that you can change it up whenever you feel like it. So when I've got love-hates for you, they're all yours but maybe we'll do some other segments. I don't know. I have no plan. And I'm sorry that you guys have to just be here in the mess with me, but I'm, I'm figuring out each episode as I go. Sometimes I feel like doing things. Sometimes I don't. And that's where we're at. Basically, I'm saying that there's no plan and thank you for rolling with it always. Maybe when I'm more than a team of like one woman, 
I will be more organized. But for now, it's just me, myself, and I, and I'm a horrible employee. I'm a great boss, though. Um, all right. So we do have official business to attend to. Court is in session. Where's my gavel? Hold on. I got to get my gavel. All right. I got my I got my gavel, everybody. Nobody panic. Nobody panic. I got it. I unplugged my microphone and like every piece of equipment in the process, but I did get it. Oh, I'm winded from, you know, reaching four feet. I have nothing to hit this on except my wall. So my neighbors are not going to like that. So what is the court of petty arguments? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. There's a lot of real problems in the world. Don't get me wrong. Those problems need real judges and real courts and real people with real qualifications. Then there are petty problems. And those are the ones that I am absolutely qualified to make a ruling on. I didn't go to law school, but I did grow up the youngest of eight children and the only girl. So I basically have a PhD in pettiness. Okay, so here we go. First up, do you drink water before or after you take a pill? I need to know. I recently learned that my approach, water then pill, was the unpopular choice, and I'm not okay about it. So there is something about taking pills that makes me want to mm, throw myself in front of a high-speed train. I find it to be one of the most unappealing feelings of all time. I still don't understand why not all medicine is in gummy form. I'll donate to whichever lab is making gummy Prozac, please and thank you. So I do pill and then water, which I think a lot of people do, but I'm not morally opposed to water before pill. I do the water after because I think like the act of taking a drink or like taking a sip of water helps the pill go down. But I'll tell you what's even worse than a pill, a chewable tablet. Get out. Tums, end me. End me here and now. I had to take a lactate the other day because apparently my gut flora has just really given up on me. And it's a dissolvable tablet. It turns into hot, liquid, chalky glue, and it's mint-flavored. Sick. I, I hated the experience. So as long as you're not doing that, you're just taking pills. However, however, you, however you get them down is all right with me. But I personally do pill, then water. But I don't feel super strong either way. Maybe this was a bad one to choose for opening up the court. But you know what? I'm going to call it a hung jury. <laughs> That's a, I could use so many court phrases in this. Okay, I'm going to do my best. All right, next up, case number two. She says, okay, this one I'm stumped on. Do you think it's weird for couples to shower together when staying at someone's house, usually a family member? My husband always wants to because we usually do at home, but I feel like it's so weird for the host or anyone to know that a couple just showered together. Maybe it's just my conservative parents that made me this way, but maybe I've got a point and it's just polite to not do that. Hmm, interesting. So here's what I think. Why does anyone know that you're showering together? Like, are you sending a group message like, hey, bathroom's taken for the next hour. Dylan and I are going to be in the shower at the same time together. Or are you like walking around in your towels together? Because I don't think it's that weird to shower together when you're staying with somebody just like I don't think it's super weird to have sexy time when you're staying with someone. But there's really no need to do anything that explicitly announces that you're doing it. Like you, it's like texting in class. Like you can absolutely do it as long as you don't get caught. It's weird if you get caught. 
But I, I think that the act of showering together, I guess it depends on your relationship status and how comfortable your parents are with you like doing sexy things. Also, if it's your husband, I feel like it's fine. I understand if it's like your boyfriend and your parents are conservative and they don't want you showering with your boyfriend or like doing sexy stuff before you get married or whatever. Uh, I get that. But if it's your husband, I don't know. Seems seems like a free for all. So I'm going to say it's fine. I, you know, as I'm saying this, I think maybe I could, this could be an unpopular opinion. I'll put it on my Instagram. You guys can vote. All right. Next case. She says, I love my husband. I feel the need to preface my confession with that statement because what I'm about to tell you sounds bad. But living with a man is difficult. After a long day with kids and just feeling in a mood, my husband did something to push me over the edge. To be honest, I can't even remember what that thing was. But I remember the annoyance bubbling in my veins. And to top it off, I distinctly remember the words, just relax. There's no need to get worked up about it. I told him I was going to bed early and went upstairs with a package of graham crackers. You see, there's nothing my husband hates more than sand or dirt or crumbs in our bed. He does this whole swipe, swipe smooth out of the sheets every night. That's pretty absurd. So to let out some of my frustration that night, I opened the sleeve of crackers over his side of the bed. Then I pulled each individual cracker out and gleefully squeezed my hands into fists as the crackers crumbled all over the bed. I replaced the coverlet and sat up on my side to read for a while. I'll never forget my husband's face as he opened the bed to crawl in and looked up at me with absolute horror to which I said, just relax. There's no need to get worked up about it. He legitimately vacuumed the bed for 25 minutes and we never spoke of that night again. Okay. I love the energy. I love the commitment, but this is diabolical. Nobody, okay. Nobody hates being told to relax more than me. I promise. When I hear the words calm down, I'm about to go nuclear if I hear that. So with that said, and knowing how much I hate it, something I hate even more, believe it or not, is cracker crumbs in bed. I understand giving attitude for sure. I understand a cold shoulder or maybe a sassy comeback, but graham crackers crunched up into the bed and then it's also your bed. So it's really just an absolute lose-lose. I'm throwing a flag on this one. Party foul. 15 yards. Oh, I can't say 15 yards. I'm a judge, not a ref. 15 days. 15 days, mental prison to think about what you've done. Oh, I got to hit this. Hold on. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Way. Oh, Way, my true love. I would go all the way for Way, truly. Winter is here and dry hair is inevitable. Don't let the cold winter weather leave your locks dry and brittle. Don't do it. The leave-in conditioner from Way is your hydration hero this winter. It conditions, detangles, and leaves your hair smooth, shiny, and manageable. So last year, I wanted to kind of redo my bathroom, and I wanted it to look and feel like an at-home spa. And I wanted all my shower shelves to just look sleek and sexy. So almost every single product that I bought was from Way. The branding is so good. And not only is the smell amazing, all of the products work. The detox shampoo, the deep conditioner, the scalp and body scrub. I have purchased them all. I've tried them all and I have loved them all. So say goodbye to frizz, tangles, flyaways, and breakage, no matter your hair type. Way's leave-in conditioner protects from heat up to 450 degrees and it's color safe and cruelty-free. 
So discover a new way of life with cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products from Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use the code BAD to get 15% off of your entire purchase. That's 15% of your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code BAD. All right, next, she says, I used to keep a mental tally of who didn't say happy birthday to me, either in person, via text, or on social media, and then I purposely don't say happy birthday to them. I also took my birthday off my Facebook profile to see who actually knew it because I'm good at memorizing birthdays. So I think everyone else should be too. (laughs) This is petty and amazing and I support it. This is the level of petty that I enjoy. Do I remember who didn't wish me a birthday, a birthday, who didn't wish me a happy birthday two weeks ago? You bet. You bet I did. That being said, I really don't tell anybody happy birthday unless they're like my close friends. So I should probably step that up so that I have more ammo to be petty with. All right. Next case. She says, if the movie starts at 835, we need to be in our seats by 835. We don't need to be early, but we cannot be late. My boyfriend thinks it's okay to be 15 minutes late. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You have to respect the temple of cinema, okay? You have to be in your seat, snacks ready, when the lights dim. I get it if it's like a matinee on a Thursday for a movie that's been out for months and there's like two other people in the theater. Then you can be a little bit late. But if it's a weekend night, a fairly full theater, new movie, I better not see you shuffle in during the opening scene. I give a little, a little bit of slack, a, a whisper of slack if you walk in during the previews. I'm not thrilled, but like, I get it. We're all human. But if you're walking in while the movie is playing, I'm calling police. Okay, I'm, I'm not, but I'm definitely going to whisper to Matt about how annoying I think you are, for sure. All right, next. She says, my husband believes that all people have bangs. Okay, uh, 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 let me continue. He thinks that bangs are just the front of your hair, whatever that might look like. I have tried multiple times to explain that by definition, bangs are a fringe of hair cut across the forehead. If you have long hair, the hair in the front of your head around your face must be considerably shorter to be considered bangs. Please tell him how upsettingly wrong he is. Class nine felony, it's upsetting, all right. That's like saying that everybody has freckles, but some are just the exact same color of your skin so you can't see them. Like you don't have freckles. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. If all of your hair is the same length, you do not have bangs. That's why it's called getting bangs. If everybody had bangs, you wouldn't have to go get bangs. Okay, next case. She says, I call chips with melted shredder, shredder, <laughs> melted shredded cheese, cheese chips. My husband calls them nachos. I believe that nachos only exist if nacho cheese is involved. Chips with melted shredded cheese are not nachos. Girl, what? Cheese chips? You're an animal. Oh, that was my gavel on accident. You're an animal. Those are nachos. I literally Googled the definition of nachos for you. Okay, here it is. A dish of tortilla chips topped with melted cheese and sometimes also other savory toppings. Melted cheese. 
That's all it takes. You just have to have a type of melted cheese on a tortilla chip. That is what a nacho is. That is the official ruling. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to do my gavel a little softer. So nobody calls the front desk. <laughs> all right. Somebody asked me, is the fan in the bathroom a shower fan or a poop fan? You know, I would maybe call it a, a choose your own adventure fan. It's like an all in one. It's a fan that should be a part of any activity that you do. Please use it no matter what. If there is hot, stinky air possible, please turn the fan on. I have the fan on all the time in the bathroom. I don't know the last time I turned it off. So that's where I stand on that. Please use it for both. Okay, next up. She says, my fiance and I keep arguing about whether or not you can count if you visited a state slash country if you have a layover there, but you don't leave the airport. Similarly, if you drive through a state on a road trip, I have been to the Germany airport, but never left the airport. So I don't count Germany as a place that I've been. He would count that. He would also say that I've been to Kansas, when in reality, all I did was drive through Kansas. Please validate that I am correct and you cannot count that you have visited a state or country unless you have left the airport or done an activity or eaten a meal or something or anything. Side note, he will also say that he has been to Georgia, but not visited Georgia because he had a layover there. If someone asked him, have you been to Georgia? He would say yes, but just the airport. I would simply say no because I cannot keep track of all my layovers and it feels so disconnected from the state anyway. Judge Maddie, save my marriage. I cannot tell you how hard I would roast someone if I asked them, have you been to Georgia? And they responded with, yeah, the airport. Okay, you have not been to Georgia. If you have not seen the outside air of a place, you've not, you, you have not been there. This actually did happen to me. I did interact with somebody who, who thought this way. I told someone that we were wanting to go to Amsterdam and they were like, oh, I've been there. And I was like, amazing. What did you do that you loved? Where'd you eat? And they were like, well, we had a layover there. So we didn't get to do anything. Mm, okay. So you haven't been to Amsterdam. Oh, this reminded me of some bummer news. I don't think I, I actually know I haven't told you guys this because it, I've been too sad to talk about it. So remember how we bought tickets to Paris last year? And then we had to switch them to Amsterdam. Well, Amsterdam has a mandatory quarantine period, even if you're vaccinated, and it's 10 days. So a few weeks ago, we switched our tickets to Vienna, Austria, because they're accepting American tourists. And two weeks ago, we found out that the U.S. moved Austria to a highly unsafe destination. So technically, we still could go, but it doesn't feel safe. And so the travel gods are just not smiling upon us for this trip. So we cashed in our credit and it's just going to sit there and we'll give it another shot when we're ready to buy tickets and when it's safe. I'm actually very sad about it. I'm very sad about it, but I'd rather, you know, play it safe. Story of my life. Put that on my headstone. Here lies Maddie Murphy. She played it safe. That's what I want my legacy to be. So anyways, back to considering your layover three-week vacation in a country. Yeah, I disagree. You are correct and you can rub it in his face that you are correct. It is the exact same concept of people who are like, oh yeah, I know that person really, really well. I've spent a lot of time with them. I've hung out with them. But really all you've done is, is DM with them on Instagram. You don't know them. You've never met them. It's, it's okay. We still think you're cool. It actually makes you less cool when you say, oh, I've been to Germany, but just the airport. than it would if you just said, no, I've never been to Germany. There's my official ruling.
This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Olive and June. The other night, I was taking a little bath. I was doing a little face mask, as I do. And I thought, you know what? I wish I had a full manicure set so I could give myself killer nails at home. And then I remembered, oh, wait, I do have that because of Olive and June. Olive and June nail polishes last seven plus days and they do not chip. So basically, you're getting salon quality manicures for just a fraction of the cost. The at-home nail system is the best. It also has one of those cleanup brushes. So if you get a little bit on your skin, you can just fix it right up. Olive and June's Manny system comes with all the tools you need for easy yet gorgeous at-home manicures. It really, it really is the gift box of dreams. It also comes with the Poppy, which is a patented brush handle that makes it easy to paint with both of your hands. Before using the Poppy, when I would paint my right hand with my left hand, it basically looked like I filled up a bucket with nail polish and just stuck my hand in. So it's quite helpful. Also, the Olive and June Manny system comes with six polishes and all the tools you need. So it breaks down to $2 a manicure. Have you ever paid $2 for a manicure? Because I normally pay like 40 times that much. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash bad and use the code bad for 20% off of your first Manny system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash bad for 20% off of your first Manny system. oliveandjune.com slash bad and use the code bad. Next case. She says, with Christmas coming up, I convinced my in-laws to draw names for gifts instead of buying one for everyone. My sister-in-law texted me asking what I wanted, but I know that money's tight for her and I feel bad asking for anything at all. I want to ask her what her budget is, but my husband says that's inappropriate. And if she asked, I can ask for whatever. Is it bad to ask a family member what their budget is? I don't want to be a burden, but I don't want to make her feel bad either. It's my first Christmas married, so it's uncharted territory. For the record, I think this is more legitimate than petty, but I probably wouldn't ask their budget and I would just ask for something that doesn't cost a lot of money. So I'd be like, I'd love a gift card for a pedicure, which is like $30. If you have kids, you could just ask for them to like babysit for a weekend. Also like a maybe like a car detailing or like a car wash or something. I feel like I don't actually know how much those are. Wouldn't know, never paid for it. I just vacuum my car on my own. <laughs> But then if she says something like, oh, I want to get you more than that, then you could say something with a higher price. But for family gifts, I feel like it's just more the thought and the tradition more than like, oh, I can't wait for my sister-in-law to buy me a super extravagant gift. So I say just set your expectations low, ask for something low, don't cause a lot of stress. I personally am excited no matter what the gift is, because no matter what, you're leaving with something new that you own that you didn't have to pay for. Like if somebody buys me a pack of hair ties, perfect, needed it, will use it. $10 candle, lighting immediately. So I like, I like smaller gifts, especially from family. I'd rather just not have somebody worry about getting me something really nice, just ask for something low key. And yeah, that, that's what I would do. But for the record, I don't think that's a stupid problem. I think that that's, you're being thoughtful. I think it's a good, a good question. In-laws, Christmas, money, it's all, those are like, the three hardest topics to talk about. So I understand the conundrum. I do. And that's what I would do. All right, next up. 
She says, my husband says that the yellow squares in Crunchberry cereal are peanut butter flavored. I say he's getting them mixed up with peanut butter crunch and that the yellow squares are just their own flavor. We're both firm in our stances. Peanut butter flavor, WTF. You decide, Judge Maddie. Well, because I am a highly trained judicial figure, I went to the source. The source being some random blog someone started dedicated to Captain Crunch. I don't know why they did it, but it had a lot of useful information. Here is their quote. <laughs> also, this description of Captain Crunch, it's just this, the, whoever wrote this, I need to meet because the passion is unmatched. They say, perfectly sweetened, delectable and savory, crunchy yet soft, Captain Crunch's original flavor contained with a bold red box is a cereal to be reckoned with. Eatable at any time, I sit here now, clock reading 11.27 p.m., enjoying a bowl myself. Captain Crunch is good food for all. The every man, the every woman, everybody. Captain Crunch's original flavor is changing with the mood of the consumer. Does it taste like brown sugar and butter-coated rice? Sometimes, yes. Does it taste like deeply infused vanilla oats? Sometimes, yes. Does it taste like a crunchy caramel explosion? Some days, yes. What I love so much about Captain Crunch's original flavor is, it tr- is its transience not in the sense that it is short-lived, but rather that it is mutable. Every day I have a bowl of Cap'n Crunch all these years later, and it still feels like a new experience each and every time. This person has sexual feelings for Cap'n Crunch. They need to go on My Strange Addiction. But because, so this is them describing the orange squares. And I thought, okay, well, that's just describing normal Cap'n Crunch. So I need to know if that's the one in Crunchberries. So I went to the Cap'n Crunch website. Which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. But it describes Crunchberries as Captain Crunch's, well, it's Captain, Captain, Captain Crunch, not Captain. Crunchberries take the original crunch you love and add in bursts of colorful berry flavors. To me, that says the yellow squares in Crunchberries are the original flavor and they add in the berry flavors. It is definitely not peanut butter. Definitely not. I would barehand combat someone over that. It's definitely not peanut butter. It would taste, it's peanut butter is such a distinct flavor. It would taste like peanut butter and jelly. If you had the berries and the peanut butter, it wouldn't work. So yes, the, the yellow squares in crunch berries are the original. That's why the other one is called oops all berries because they forgot to put the original in. They didn't forget to put peanut butter in. Oh, when did after that one? Okay, next case. Let's move on. I don't use my gavel nearly enough. Somebody sent me this gavel. This was maybe one of my favorite things I've ever received in my P.O. box. Um, It's this, it's a gavel and it has this gold plate on it and engraved in it, it says, all hail the dishonorable Judge Maddie. I love it so much. All right, next case. Here we go. They say, if you do not recommend something, do you say 10 out of 10 do not recommend? Or do you say zero out of 10, do not recommend? If you give something a 10, then you love it, right? You want to give something a 10 if you hated it. As the queen of loves and hates, I'm sure you've thought about this. Oh boy, have I thought about this. Meg and I have had this discussion and her and I disagree. But this is my podcast. So I'm going to make the official ruling because she's not here. (laughs) The saying should go as follows. What you rate it out of 10, comma, then your recommendation. So it should go like this, zero out of 10, comma, do not recommend. Not like I 
10 out of 10, do not recommend this. That's wrong. If it's 10 out of 10, highly recommend. It, it would make no sense for you to not recommend something and then give it 10 out of 10. That is the ruling. That is law. Already submitted it to the legis- legislation. <laughs> already submitted it to them. It's already a law. All right, next. She says, are scones and beignets the same thing? Between my husband and I, one of us thinks they're different because they're called different things. So obviously they're different. One is more fluffy and shaped specifically, eaten with powdered sugar mostly. Then one of us thinks they're the same because they're both fried dough. No difference. Help. It's tearing us apart. So I get when most people probably hear this, they think scones and beignets are obviously different. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I grew up eating scones that were made like a beignet. I don't know why, but we always bought like pre-made dough. We cut triangles and then we'd like deep fry them in oil like a beignet. And then we would eat them with honey butter, but we always called them scones. However, this is not a scone in any way. A, A real scone is actually closer to a biscuit. A biscuit is like flakier and maybe has more butter and fat in it. And a scone is more crumbly, but they're they're made of the same things. When you use like a yeasted dough, one that you would need, need like K-N-E-A-D, not N-E-E-D. I do need them though. When you like have a dough that you that you cut and then you deep fry, that's a beignet. Scones are that's not even close to to a scone. I don't know why I grew up calling those scones too, but it's it's very, very wrong. Scones are they're usually triangles, they're baked, they have like a biscuity, crumbly texture. It's not even close to the same thing. And I'm so sorry. And don't feel bad because I grew up thinking the same thing. So I'm glad that we could have we could get this all straight. This episode of the Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Babelash, another company that I love to brag about because I've used them forever. I've purchased from them many times, and I'm so happy to be partnering with them officially. Babelash is a results-driven and performance-based cosmetic brand based in Salt Lake City. Spoiler alert, I too am based in Salt Lake City. Babelash's formulas are designed for maximum effectiveness so you can discover how they work for you. I have always used Babelash to help my lashes look longer, and especially after I've done something like lash extensions or anything that just wrecks my natural lashes. I use the Essential Serum, which helps your lashes look longer, and then the Enhancing Conditioner, that makes your lashes look fuller, thicker, and darker. I'm trying to level up to a place where I no longer need mascara, and Babelash is the way to do that. The Essential Serum is a number one award-winning product. It truly makes your lashes look longer over time with consistent use. Results can be seen in as little as two to four weeks, which means you can have fluffy lashes by the holidays. Santa can't bring you that, but Babelash can. I keep mine right by my toothbrush, so I remember to apply it every single night. So Babelash is offering my listeners 15% off of all their products when you use the code BAD at Babelash.com. That is 15% off of all products when you use the code BAD at Babelash.com. All right, next up. She says, my husband and I have been in a disagreement from the moment we got married about this. We need balance and harmony in our marriage again. In the movie Matilda, when Bruce Bogtrotter is eating the giant chocolate cake in front of the whole school, did you think the cake looked good and would happily take a slice? 
Or did it make you never want to eat cake again? All right. I don't know what fan edit of Matilda someone would have to watch to decide that that cake looked appealing. Because first of all, Cookie, the crusty lunch lady, put her blood, sweat, and tears into the cake. Not metaphorically. Literally. Then Bruce Bogtrotter deep throats the entire cake and nearly vomits. So no, it's, it's not appealing. And I never want to eat it. Costco basically sells this cake. They basically have it. It's this gigantic chocolate cake. And every time we have it, someone in my family says something about Bruce Bogtrotter, and I'm immediately talked out of eating it. But I'll tell you what scene from Matilda I have always wanted to be a part of, having tea with Miss Honey. When she pours that milk in, it looks so good. Also, the pancakes that she makes with her mind powers. Matilda really did give us all gifted kid complex. Am I right? Does anybody else have that because of Matilda? I thought like if I read one book at age 10, I had superpowers. Little did I know I was just a 10-year-old. All right, next case. Here we are. Maddie, I shouldn't be as emotionally tied to this, but I am. Story of my life, TBH. My husband and I always argue whether you should put your eggshells straight in the trash or back in the carton. Carton. Sorry, dropped my tea there. If you want to side with me, I don't have any super convincing reasons why, but I like to put them back in the carton because in my head, it keeps the garbage more organized. LOL. Bless my heart. Love you. All right. This is a happy, this is a happy one because you're both wrong. (laughs) You should put them down the garbage disposal because they sharpen the blades. Did I look that up? No, but somebody told me forever ago. So that's what I do. But if I didn't have a garbage disposal, I would probably put them back in the carton and then just throw it all away at once. I don't know why but you should put them down the garbage disposal. All right, next. She says, is there really a right way to load a dishwasher? Because I make sure everything fits and this man is constantly telling me I'm doing it wrong. Is there a handbook I missed in adult roles? If it fits, it ships. He had this super specific way of loading it and swears that it's the most efficient way for the water to get to everything. I just need to know if this is a real argument people have or if we're insane and I'm petty for being annoyed by it. I will absolutely not be putting any more effort into doing the dishes than is absolutely necessary. Who made up these arbitrary dishwasher rules anyway? The only thing that has a definitive spot is the silverware. Anything else is free game. It's filling the whole thing with water and washing it and whatever. There's no efficient way for the water to get to it. It's going to spray everything down. As long as the silverware is in its little silverware pocket, I don't think anything else matters matters. <laughs> I don't think anything else matters. All right. I personally love this one so much. She says, I'm American and my boyfriend is Australian and he thinks the date format written day, month, year is superior to month, day, year. And I disagree because when you say the month first, American style, you give better context for when the date is with the first piece of information you receive. So if someone says September 25th, you can already narrow it down to the time of year with the first word. Whereas the 25th of September, when you hear the 25th, it could literally still be at any month during the year. And it gives you almost no context to narrow it down. I know America probably goofed by not adopting the metric system, but the American date format is far superior. Please tell my boyfriend he's wrong. Thank you so much. So I read this one, okay? And then I went down a couple entries and I see your honor spelled H-O-N-O-U-R. And I knew it. I knew that the Australian boyfriend had found me. And this one says, I, the Australian boyfriend, understand that my American girlfriend has brought a case before you 
in an attempt to solve a long-running dispute about whether the U.S. month-day-year format or the international date format day-month-year is superior. Putting aside the issue of jurisdiction in an international case, I submit to you my side. Her whole argument hinges on the false premise that the month is the more important contextual piece of information than the date. The flaw in this argument is that this is not always the case. If I asked, when did World War II start, the year is likely to be more important. If I asked when the rent was due, the date is more likely to be more important. The rest of the world uses either day-month-year or year-month-day because it follows an incremental logic which is universal. Literally every country on the planet uses an incremental, incremental, incremental format except the U.S. The consequences of Americans continuing to use their insane system is that if a date happens to fall before the 13th of a month, no one knows what the hell the date is. When an American company posts a date online, we don't know when it is. When we try to tell an American a date, we have to have a whole discussion about whether or not it has been converted to bullshit mode or not. (laughs) Please save America, the world, and my relationship. Please end the U.S. date system. I rest my case. So I am tragically American. So my gut instinct is to agree with the way I've always done it, which is month, day, year. However, I think of the line in the office where Nellie describes it as small, bigger, biggest for day, month, year. That's what he's talking about with the incremental thing. And I have to say, I see the point. Not only do I see the point, this guy wrote me a full-on MLA formatted formal request to the court about his point. So in my official stance, while I will continue to do it the American way, I think that day, month, year is classier. It's, it's classier. Am I an American? So I think everyone with an accent is classy? Yes. Did I read the boyfriend's letter in a sexy Australian accent? Yes. Is that what helped him win this case? Undetermined. Let's move on. She says, okay, hear me out, bestie. I'm from Washington and I will contend until I die that Idaho is not part of the West Coast or the Pacific Northwest. Pretty much all of my friends from Idaho disagree. It's part of the West but neither has a coast nor touches the Pacific. I know it's dumb, but we all need stupid hills to die on. This is mine. Also, love you. Love the podcast. Thanks. All right. Idaho is definitely not part of the West Coast or the Pacific Northwest. Nice try, Idaho's. Do you guys call yourself Idaho's? I hope so. If not, you really should. But yeah, it's definitely part of like the Northwest region, but it would not be the West Coast nor the Pacific Northwest. It's not touching the ocean. There's no coast. There's no Pacific. I actually have to go to Idaho next month. I have to go to Boise. And yes, I say it Boise because everybody from Boise told me that it's not Boise. It's Boise. But yeah, I have to go up there. We put a deposit down on another cat. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) All right, next up. She says, my husband and his entire family pronounce the L in words like, I'm going to spell them so I don't give away how I say it. P-A-L-M, B-A-L-M, C-A-L-M, etc. My family and I think the L is silent. So the words sound like palm tree or bomb. Who is right? You guys know I hate agreeing with boyfriends. I do. I always want to have your back. But I, I say the L in those. I say palm and balm and calm. I, I say the L. Should we trust me, a Utah, on this? I'm not sure because I add L's to words that don't need them. Sometimes I say both, like both instead of both. I've tried to correct this, but but no luck. 
So I, I have to agree with the husband's family that I do say the L's in palm, calm, balm. All right, next. She says, my husband absolutely refuses to be wrong about anything. Last week, he told me that statistically, men are more right than women. So I told him to look it up on the internet to prove that he's right. There was no clear answer, and you cannot statistically prove that women or men are more right than the other. We need Judge Maddie to step in on this one. I need to hear your thoughts. Men are more likely to be right? You know who says things like that? Men who are always wrong. If we're talking petty, I would start a spreadsheet with all of the things he says or does that are wrong. And then I would print it off monthly and leave it under his pillow. That's what I would do. My And like, can we just talk about the personality trait of refusing to be wrong? I think that's icky. I don't like it. I'm sure your husband's wonderful. This is not a personal attack. This is just kind of a general attack on everyone who thinks like being stubborn or like needing to be right is cool. I don't, I don't find that to be cool or charming. All right, let's wrap it up with this one. I don't even have an answer for this one, but I need to read it because I think it's really funny. All right. She says, Maddie, I know you will assume this is a joke, but I can assure you it is not. Unfortunately, my mother literally believes that it is common courtesy to speak in the accent of the place where you are. Let me explain. We were watching Hugh Jackman on Jimmy Kimmel, and my mother said out loud, he's in America. Why isn't he speaking in an American accent? But before you call my mom a Trumper, which she is not, she also believes that if she were to visit another country, it would be expected that she would speak in their accent. Yes, even India, China, Russia, etc. After arguing with her for over an hour, I gave up. She cannot be convinced. I already know she's wrong, but I thought that you should know about my mother. What's funny is that she thinks you should just speak in the accent, not the language. Like, it's not, hey, if you go to France, you should learn French. It's, hey, if you go to France, you should speak English in a French accent. Oh, it's so good. I don't know why I thought this was so funny. All right. Well, that was our last one. I hope that I could assist in uh, settling some arguments. Also hope I caused a few. Let me know. I'll put some of those ones on on my Instagram that we can vote on. I can't remember the one that we talked about, but I'll hear it when I go back and edit. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here for the Court of Petty Arguments. I love wearing the hat of Dishonorable Judge Maddie. It truly is, truly is a pleasure. So thank you for joining me here. Let's give us, let's do another uh, gavel hit. Sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. I'm so scared to do this. I need to get like a little wood plank so I can just do it over here instead of on my wall that is shared with my neighbor. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Join me again next week. We have a a special guest who I adored. We're talking about all sorts of happy things. So I will see you then. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and be safe, be kind, be hot. I love you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.